Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit, with subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, everyone. I'm so glad you joined us tonight. Whatever part of the world you're listening from, if it's in the United States, Africa, Philippines, whatever time zone you're in, we are so excited to be, I'm so excited to be hosting Dr. Frank Sumrall's Bible study. He's been teaching on the book of Daniel lately, and it has been so awesome, so informative, and just so anointed. And at some point, he's going to be leading us in communion, so please prepare accordingly. And Dr. Frank Summel has been in the ministry for over 50 years and has traveled all over the world. And with no further ado, I'm going to answer his call, and I'm going to give it over to him. Dr. Frank Summel, take your liberty in the Holy Ghost. Dr. Frank Summel, hello? Dr. Frank, Dr. Hello, there you are. You uh, okay? Go ahead. Okay. There, you're on the you're on the air okay. live now. Go ahead. Okay. You hear that? Yes. Go ahead. You're fine now. Please take your liberty in the Holy Ghost for your Bible study tonight. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, we're, we're dealing in the Book of Daniel. Daniel is one of the few books. Well, actually, the only book I could see that all, takes it all the way from 616 B.C. before Christ all the way through to the second coming of Christ. So that timeline is so amazing, all the way from that time, 616 B.C., to all the way to where Jesus comes back with his saints. And so we've been discussing and going over each chapter. Daniel has 12 chapters, and so we're in chapter 7, but we do a little background in the direction of talking about these things. And see, when Israel, when they went into Babylonian captivity, it was prophesied by Jeremiah that this begins in the 25th chapter of Jeremiah. And so he's trying to get Israel, Jeremiah is trying to get Israel to turn around and go back. And uh, beginning in verse 5, they said, turn me again. Now he went his evil way and the evil doings to live in your land and given you to your fathers forever. Don't go after other gods and don't worship them and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands, and I will do you no hurt. But you have not listened to me, saith the Lord. You might provoke me to anger and the works of your hands and your own hurt. And then, verse 9, he says, Behold, I will take all the families of the north, saith the Lord. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, will bring them against the land and against the inhabitants thereof, against all these nations run about. And I will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and perpetual desolation. Then I will take from them the, the voice of mirth and joy, and the voice of gladness, and the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstone, the light of the candle, and the whole land shall be a desolation and astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. That's how Daniel and his friends got to Babylon. They were taking their chains. It even says through the scripture how they went in chains and how the chains hurt them. They were chained 
like an animal. But when they got there, they made such a determination to live for God that nothing was going to stop the very motion that they had toward Almighty God. Even though they were in Babylon, and God ministered through them by the power of dreams and vision, then what was placed inside of the young men, and we have talked a little bit about that, the young men that came with him, they said, well, first thing we're going to do, we're not going to have any wine, we're not going to have any food that's been offered to idols, we want water, and we want some vegetables. And the Bible calls it pulse. And so we want to take a challenge. We want to challenge those boys that we will take our food, our water, and we will be better. We'll be ten times better than they are. And so the man that had control over them said, well, this better work or my head's going to be gone. And so Daniel guaranteed him. He said, this is the way it's going to be. And so as he said those words, and they did that, then what turned the whole situation there in Babylon is that the king started having dreams. And all these dreams were most amazing, and yet they were so prophetic. In Daniel chapter 2, let's go over there for a minute. We're going to do a comparison between chapter 2 to chapter 7, because it's one way, God looks one way, and man looks another way. And we're going to see the same things he's talking about, how God describes it and how man describes it. Here in, in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, we are already up there pretty far. And uh, it's just one of the amazing things that Daniel is the 27th book of the Bible. It has 12 chapters in it. It has 357 verses. And the elements are so amazing that it deals specifically with the 70-year time element seven years that Israel suffered bondage by Babylon and Persia. And he was a Hebrew captain that rose to become very powerful and anointed in the empires of Babylon and Persia. He was a statesman. He was a diplomat. Without the book of Daniel, all these other prophecies would be totally unclear. Because many times what he does, he speaks about the times of the Gentiles and anything out of the Jewish. He talks about the times of the Gentiles. So, Daniel predicted this. He told exactly what would happen to these things. So he talked about the eternal kingdom of God of heaven, which will succeed these empires. Now, for a little basic thought here, listen to this, that you have the rapture of the church. We believe that to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that he's coming back for us, that we draw the Lord in the air. That's the rapture of the church. Now, even though the word rapture does not appear through Scripture, the idea is this, that we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 15, and 16. Then, of course, we have the revelation. That means that Jesus is coming back with his saints. We find this in the book of Jude. Turn with me to the book of Jude, all the way back just before you get to the book of Revelation. And in the book of Jude, we find the very words that we're looking for, and that Jesus comes back with his saints to conquer, to rule, and to reign. Jude's only a, <clears throat> one chapter, and we find this in verse 14. Uh, notice this, that how long a period of time it says, Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, that's way back when, prophesied these words, saying, Behold, 
the Lord cometh with. Put a circle around with. He cometh with how much? Thousands of his saints. Now, that means a thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. So anytime we got to that point in time, said 10,000, have to do the fact that they really didn't know numerically how many they were talking about. But they said the large number was 10,000. With 10,000, surely there's more than 10,000 saints around here. All over the world, there's got to be more than that. But this is giving an idea, an aspect of showing that when Jesus, when he comes back with his saints, coming back to conquer the Antichrist, coming back to cause this place to be heaven and changing everything. That's what we're talking about. Notice what he said. The seventh from Adam prophesied and said to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them, ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You'll notice in that one verse, in verse 15, four times it says ungodly. Well, I guess they know something about it, don't they? That says, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. And in their mouth speak great swelling words, having men's persons to admiration because of advantage. But you, beloved, words that were spoken by the apostles, the Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you how mockers shall be coming in the last days, that's right now, that you should walk after their own ungodly lust. And they that who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit, you see that? Having not the spirit, they don't have a clue. They don't know. Having not the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. But you, beloved, verse 20, building up yourself, on your most holy faith, how do we do this? Praying in the Holy Ghost. My, 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 my. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Some having compassion make the difference. Others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire. We're doing that right now. Hating even the garments by the flesh. But now unto him that able to keep you from falling, present you fallen before the presence of the glory with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. Now, that gives a basis for it right there. Talking about what he's talking about. What Daniel saying all the way to the last time. And so, as we comprehend this, understand that. This is what it says in Daniel 2. Now, when the king saw all these things, he had this vision. And Daniel... See, what the king was so upset about, he couldn't get his men to prophesy. He couldn't get his men to give him the ideas because they didn't have it. And the king was so angry, he said, I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to kill you too. And so in order to spare all those and himself, he said, well, Lord, you've got to give me the answer to that. You've got to give me the answer to that vision. And then the Lord gave him the exact answer. And But what the whole deal was, the king had forgotten the dream. And he wanted the soothsayers, all the people there that had worked with witchcraft, he wanted them to give him the answer to a forgotten dream. And these men said, it's not even spoken even in history that those wise men or soothsayers, whoever, that's never happened before. And the king says, I'm going to cut you down, I'm going to destroy you, I'm going to take your house, I'm going to make them dunghill. He tells all the things he's going to do in Daniel 2. Finally, Daniel comes in to rescue them and himself because he was included. He said, okay, this is what I saw. This is what it is. And he began, he said, what you saw, 
what you saw is this. He said, you saw a great image. Verse 31. And the great image, the brightness was excellent, stood before you, and the form thereof was terrible. The image of the head was fine gold. Now, it tells us that how the image of this, you know, huge thing that he saw was the whole image itself, and he said the top of the image was gold, the head was gold, which spoke of the Babylonian Empire. And then he went on to say, he said, then after the gold, then they had the silver. They have it with the arms of silver and his belly and his sides. We're going to go talk about that a little bit. And his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. That's where we are today. We're in that kind of segment of time right there. Part of iron and part of clay. And then he goes and tells the whole thing here. He said, the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold was broken into pieces because there was something, verse 34, it said, a stone that was cut out of the image. Oh, actually it was taken out of the mountain. The stone that you saw came out of the mountain without hands. Hit the image where? In the feet. And it broke all of it. It broke the gold, broke the iron, broke the brass, broke everything. And it became like chaff. And uh, it was not found. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain. And it filled the whole earth. Talking about the whole thing as you come together. Now, this wicked king, because he was spoken of the head of gold, he decided to make the whole image and everyone had to bow the knee before. That's why you have the three Hebrew children. They wouldn't bow. They, they would not bow. They sure wouldn't burn. And so... He thought that since God had given such a, an amazing dream, and this image he put out on the plains of dirt, it must have been 70 feet high. Huge thing. He said, at the sound of a certain sound of the trumpet, he said they had to bow. They had to bow. They had to bow to this image. And so these Hebrew children said, wait a minute here. He said, we serve God Jehovah, and we're not going to bow to anybody. Then the king said, wait a minute here. If you don't bow to this image that I have here, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And so these Hebrew children said, wait a minute here. And said, we don't fear you, king. We're not going to even respect you to answer you in a correct way. We're going to say this. So we serve God. But if he does not deliver us, we'll still say no. And everybody was bowed before this image, but they were not. And so they took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They took him right in front of the fire furnace. And the king was so enraged, he was so angry. And he, he heated that furnace seven times hotter than normally was. And the men that threw the Hebrew children in died by the intensity of the fire on the outside. Huge. And so they bound them hand and foot. They had them with ropes. They tied them up. They threw them in there. And while they were in there, the miraculous took place. <laughs> the miraculous took place. Because when they stepped out on their faith, God was there to meet them with their faith. Now, I'm speaking to somebody right now. You've been wondering about certain situations. Would you stand on the faith that God's already put inside your heart? Stand on that faith. God's going to meet you where that faith is. He will bless you. He will anoint you. He will cause his glory, his power, his victory, his life to come in and cause the blessings of heaven to come your direction. Hallelujah. <laughs> God is a mighty God. He saves, he heals, he delivers. 
It causes the blessings of heaven to come on you and overtake you. Glory to God. So, we know about that story. And what happened? In the midst of that fire, they were looking. And the king began to be fearful. The Bible says his visage was changed because he didn't see one, two, three. He saw one, two, three, four. There was a fourth man in the fiery furnace. We believe that was the Lord Jesus, that he joined them inside the furnace. And guess what? When they took them out of the fiery furnace, they didn't smell of smoke. The only thing the fiery furnace burned was the rope around their arms. The very things that they tied them down with burned off of them. Oh, very powerful. So when that happened, they had new distinction. They were changed by that. Some of the Babylonian people were changed by that. That was chapter 3. Then, of course, you have chapter 4. Having to do with the fact that, again, Nebuchadnezzar was very uh, proud of himself. and He had a lot of ego. And God had to take the man down. And allowed that man to have a mental problem that even drove him away from mankind and caused him to have sweat like an animal. He had talons. He had feathers. He ate like an animal for seven years. He was crazy for seven years. And then God brought him back. But he reached the point in time to find out. So wait a minute here. He said he repented. There was a point in time where he repented, and God said, okay, I'm bringing you back to a man, bringing you back, and they brought him back to the kingdom again. What a word. What a powerful word. Out chapter 4. Then in chapter 5, as we saw, the things that happened were so amazing and so powerful. But what they did is the violation. The violation, they, they offended the truth. And Belteshazzar, that's who he was, Belshazzar. And so that was really the grandson, that was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And so how people received information in those days. First, they received by dreams and visions. Then they received information by prophets. Then they had what they called the urine and the flummet which they had a breastplate on, and the part of the breastplate on the bottom were stones. And these stones would light up according to the information gathered. The prophets, dreams and vision, the urine and the thumbing. But aren't you glad we've got the Holy Ghost today? We don't have to go to the urine and the thumbing. We don't have to go to a certain prophet. We don't have to have that. But God allows us to have dreams and vision and shows what in our spirit what we need and what he will share with us and how he gives that in our hearts and our lives. All the things that God has for us, how beautiful, how wonderful, how glorious, that God has a situation of dreams and visions. The Bible says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters, they're going to have dreams. They're going to have visions. Your old men, they're the ones going to have dreams. Your young men are going to have visions. He said, I will pour out my spirit. Well, as we know, the Spirit of God is being poured out. And so in the dream, 
We're seeing a lot of interesting things that God will show you things in dreams and in visions. God will cause things to happen in your life. And you remember, you remember that, that God has for you. Hallelujah. It could be a vision to keep you from danger. It could be a dream that happens in your life that will give you direction. Shows you, but it has to come under the confines of the Word of God. Understanding the Word of God. So what this man did, this point in time, his this grandson decided that he would take the goblets out of the chest that he had there. And these were the holy items taken from Jerusalem. And he would corrupt those vessels with drinking wine, his concubines, all the people round about him there were doing so many crazy things. And causing destruction to their life. My, my, my. So God writes an epitaph. God writes an epitaph, I'll tell you what, it's about over. But look at this. Maybe you've not seen this before. Look at over here in Job. I'm speaking to people right now that have not seen this as of yet. Look at Job. Job chapter 33. This is why we have dreams. God allows dreams to come to us so that they can speak to us. A lot of times we're too, too busy with things that we aren't hearing exactly what God wants us to hear. Uh, look at the 33rd chapter, beginning about verse 14. For God speaks once, yet twice, yet man perceives it not. Or he doesn't understand it. He has no knowledge of that. But what does he do? In a dream and in a vision of the night when deep sleep falls upon men, in the slumbering upon their beds. Now that kind of identifies it. What happens? Then he opens up the ears of men and seals their instructions that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. All of that information right there from about 14 to 17 gives us answers in regard to dreams. How amazing. How powerful. Showing us that God will speak through dreams. He will speak through visions. Anyway, Belshazzar, he comes against the very plan of God. He takes the vessels of God. He corrupts him. And suddenly, there's a finger of a hand operating on the wall, writing the words. Meaning, meaning, tickle your farces. And so he asked for Daniel. Now, Daniel was not one of the friends of this, this king because he only called on him in an emergency. How many people do you know call on God in emergencies? Because they have the emergency, you know, they, they have to pull it, talk to us. Oh, God, help us, help us, help us. And they pull on that. They say, oh, God, I need you right now. But come some other times when they really don't need God. They say, okay, God, you can stay over there, and I'll be over here, and we'll be fine. Well, so he brought Daniel in. He said, you're the Daniel, aren't you? You're the one. He said, yeah, I'm that one. And then he said, meaning, meaning, took your farce. And this is the interpretation, he said. Each word, meaning, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tickle. He was waiting the balances and found one. It had to do with you farcing. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the means of the person. So when did that happen? That very night. Ha! Huh. That very night. When those things started in operation in that level. Unbelievable. So it's that night 
Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was killed. Then what happened? The Medes and the Persians came in. What did they do? They brought the gold vessels in them and taken from the temple, the house of God, and then Jerusalem, king of the lords, and the wine and concubines, they started drinking from them. And when they did that, God had enough and said, hey, you cross the line. You come across that line. And so when that took place, oh, that same hour, I call this a divine interruption. Maybe God's going to do that in somebody's life. Divine interruptions will take place and give you the information that you're needing right now. Divine interruptions. So the king, he, he was very troubled. And when that happened, all these things started. Their wild party was suddenly stopped. And his niece started having fellowship with one another. I'm telling you what. The need, it said that even his hips were loose. Oh, my. Daniel was a forgotten prophet until that time. So Daniel was the one. Daniel was the one. He was the one that was brought before the king. He said, you're the one who my grandfather brought from Judah. I've heard of you. I've heard you have an excellent spirit. You have excellent wisdom. The spirit of God is in you. Now, this is an evil king saying that. This is an evil king saying these words. And then he goes on to say, he said, now the wise men, the astrologers, they were supposed to read the writing and know it, and they couldn't do it. Can you give the interpretation? If you can, this is what you can have. Daniel said, you keep your gift to yourself. He said, I will make known the interpretation. He goes on to say all these other things, and finally he says to him, he said, your heart's been lifted up. Your spirit's heart." And all these other things, they talk about that. Talking about his situation, where is it? He said, you are the grandson of. And then he talks about Nebuchadnezzar. You've not humbled your heart. You, and then, here, here's the key right there. In verse uh, 22, he said, yeah, but you know all these things. You don't have to, for me to tell you. You know all these things. You've been through there. You've been through that problem before. You've been through the situation. Why in the world did you not turn around and back the other way? He said, you lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. You brought the vessels in the house. You brought your lords, your wives, your concubines. You drunk the wine. You praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and wood and stone, which do not see. They don't hear. They don't know. The God that holds his, your breath in his hand holds all your ways. You have not glorified him. <laughs> what an indictment. That very night, Belshazzar, the king of the, he was slain. And then another man, and Darius, the mean, received the kingdom. He was 62 years old. He came in, caused all these things. It happened. It's not time to, to what, what you're trying to do is negotiate. Don't negotiate with God. Consecrate to God. Give your heart to God. Give your life to God. Give your person to God. Wherever you are, release yourself to the living God, and he will bless you in abundance. In abundance. My, 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 my. Talking about that. So then, a little bit later on, Daniel, I call it this, faith that conquers lions. <laughs> Maybe because some lions out there have been roaring. God. Did it all. He's the one that conquered lions. So these men, they call them satraps, and they got to call them satsak. Something close to that. 
Anyway, what they are, they're the princes. They had 120. And Daniel was the third ruler of the kingdom. And so they had to find a way in order to get him deposed, Daniel deposed, to get him away. And so since we can't do it this way, we'll have to do it this way. This is the only way we can do it is to something about his God. Do something about his God. They tried all kind of stuff. They did all kinds of things in order to get the king to understand. And so what did they start doing? They started saying, oh, you're a wonderful king. You're so great and you're so wonderful and you're this and that and the other. And pride took over. And then they said, well, why don't we do this? So what they finally said in verse chapter 5, 6, he says, we can't find any charge on this man unless we find it concerning the law of God. Now, Darius, he was the rule of the Medo-Persian Empire, which destroyed the Babylonian Empire. The head of gold had given way to the rest of the army. Now, we talked about the gold, and now we're talking about silver. So he set up these princes, 120 various provinces all over his empire. He appointed three governors, the three superior officers, where Daniel was the chief governor. And these princes resented Daniel and tried to find a way to take him out. This was a malicious, deceptive plot against Daniel. You find this in Daniel chapter 6, having to do the same. Then they kept saying, oh, king, live forever. Oh, they were lying out of their teeth. They were not telling the truth. They didn't believe him no more than fly. Which means the fact that they were just trying to get him to a position where he would fall to their thinking. Now, here's what they did. Talking about, he said, let's make an Raw statute, make a decree that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days except you shall be thrown into the den of life. Now, O king, establish your decree. Sign a writing that cannot be changed. You say, why? Because they think their laws. That's how they did. They put it in the oven and baked to the law of the means of the person that it's not altered or changed. So King Darius, he signed the written decree. He was tricked into doing it. Now, I like this in verse 10. Watch this, watch this. When King Darius signed the decree, now Daniel knew. Writing was already signed. So he went home. What did he do? He didn't moan. He didn't groan. He opened up the windows and he prayed a prayer. He did it three times a day because God was on the inside. He did not fear man at all. Because they that know their God shall do exploits. And he was one of those men that do exploits. We today, we don't fear our government. We don't fear anybody because the God of the universe lives inside of us. We've got his power. We've got his glory. We've got his majesty. All we have to do is walk with him in obedience. In obedience. So watch him. It's so good. And he did that. He opened up those windows so everybody could hear when he wanted to say a prayer. He said, I'm not going to whisper a prayer. I'm going to shout this prayer out, and I'm going to let everybody know there is a God. Hallelujah. So he did it. And finally, these men got together and said, hey, that man over there called Daniel. Verse 13, they said, Daniel, one of the captives of Judah, doesn't show any regard for you at all. But you signed a decree. You made a petition. And three times a day he's doing this. 
When the king heard it, he was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart to Daniel to deliver. But he labored to going down the sun to deliver him. He couldn't do it. It's already done. It's already set. So these kings said, O king, according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, a decree of statue the king established may be changed. No way. So the governor and all these other people there, princes, before the king, they proposed a law that was a trap for Daniel. So they tried everything they possibly could do. They were the gentlemen. So he was flattered. The king was flattered, and he signed the decree. His signature made the decree a royal statue. So he had a puffed-up ego, which couldn't be changed against. That's the way he was. But, you know, when you come to the last part of yourself, that's when God shows up. They picked him up, and they put him into the den of lions. And so, as he did this, I like this, because as he got down there, he saw these lions. He probably said, Leo, come over here. He talked to each one of those animals. And Daniel said that the Lord had sent an angel and shut their mouth. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, if Samson would have been in there, they would have been lion burgers. Hmm. But we have Daniel in there that uses faith to shut the mouth of lions. There might be a situation in your life, maybe in an employment situation where someone's constantly aggravating you, saying things against you, lying against you, wanting to get you fired. That's the time you can say, shut the lion's mouth. And God will do that. He will shut the lion's mouth. Just for you. Hallelujah. Now, when he was down there, Daniel slept. (laughs) He had a deep sleep. The king didn't sleep at all. The king rose up early in the morning, went to haste. That means he was running to the den of lions. But he came, he cried out with little many voices, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Well, what did Daniel do? He said, oh, Daniel, said the king, live forever. He said, yeah. He said, my God sent an angel. He shut the lions mouth. They haven't hurt me. I was innocent before him also. I've done nothing wrong before you. And the king was glad. So he commanded they take Daniel out of his den. And so Daniel was taken up. No injury at all. Why? Because he believed in they that know that God shall do exploits. So, you say the lions weren't hungry. Well, beg to differ with you. Verse 24. The king gave commandment and brought those men that accused Daniel and threw them in the den of lions and their children, their wives, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces even before they came to the bottom of the den. That means they were hungry. <laughs> they went after those people. And finally, the king said, I make a decree that in every in my dominion and my kingdom that you fear and tremble for the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, steadfast forever in the kingdom which shall not be destroyed, his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers the rescues, he works signs and wonders in heaven and earth. He delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. And then he goes on to say, so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Showing you, our God reigns. He's in control. Not that devil out there. 
Ah, blessed be the name of the Lord. So even in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, it says, through your faith, subdue kingdoms, work righteousness, obtain promises, stop the mouths of land. Who did that? Daniel did. Daniel's deliverance came through the power of faith in his God. The accusers, they died. Nothing left of them at all. Proverbs 11, 8 says this, the righteous, they're delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. My, 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 my. So, in touching on these points, seeing these things happen. Now, what are we noticing here in 7? Okay, I'm just going to give you a little bit of this because fact is we're winding down to what we're saying. This has to do with the end time, end time, and in the end time he gives vision in regard to the image, that's Daniel 2, we touched it. But in Daniel 7, it's the beast. And how do they recognize one another? How is it say? It goes on to say, in the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and vision in his head while on his bed. He wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. So, this king, and Daniel had the dream. All, all, this come, all this came together. So the vision seen by Daniel in the first year of Belshazzar's reign. So, now, you've got to notice this, that the book of Daniel is not chronologically correct. You notice mm-hmm. that. The first six chapters are his story. The last six chapters are prophetic. So in that first verse, chapter 7, gives the introduction, and then, but Daniel saw the four winds of heaven moving over the great sea. Now, many times in Scripture, the great sea is mentioned about the numbers of people. That's generally what we're talking about, the populace, the people. So in seeing that, we have these things which are so evident and real and wonderful. Now, comparing Daniel 2 to Daniel 7. First, in Daniel 2, you have the image. They put it on the point of door. First thing they said, that the image, the head of that image was gold. Now, that was Babylon. That was Babylon. Now, looking over to Daniel chapter 7, it talks about a beast. It talks about a lion with wings. Imagine that. Now, that again is bad. So, one was the sight of man. The other is the sight of God, that God sees differently than man does. And so, the comparison that we will see here is totally, wonderfully amazing. Amazing, amazing. Then, in the image, you have the silver breast and arm, which denotes the Medo-Persian that they were reigning and ruling. Now, that's inferior to Babylon. The two arms, the Medes and the Persians, much inferior to Babylon, but they destroyed Babylon. How are they inferior? Number one, they were inferior in wealth. They were inferior in power. They were inferior in luxury and influence. Amazing. Totally amazing. Now, what does God say? God sees something entirely different about the Medo-Persian Empire. He calls it a bear. And this bear loves to spill blood. Bear is ruthless. It comes to kill. It comes to destroy. 
this Medo-Persian, they enjoyed torture and everything. Now, can you see why Jonah wanted them destroyed? That's the same group there. That Jonah wanted these people destroyed. He said, why do I should go to the Ninevites? I want to see them destroyed. So he sat on the hill ready to watch God destroy them, and yet the mercy of God spared them, and Jonah got upset. You read the whole story in the book of Jonah. I'll tell you the whole thing. So Jonah was looking from the perspective of Israel, and God said, I have mercy. I have mercy. I have compassion. I will forgive. And God spared Nineveh because they heard the word. That Jonah said, 40 days and you're going to be destroyed unless you repent. And they repented. Brother and sister, that gives us hope here for America that God's power and God's anointing and God's glory will come again if power and his spirit will convict men and bring them to righteousness. Hallelujah. Will bring them to righteousness. If God can save wicked Nineveh, he can save wicked America. He can change our thinking. He can change our Congress. He can change the all of the Republicans or Democrats or whoever they call themselves, whoever they are, people in authority. That's why the Bible says over there in Titus, it says we need to pray for those who are, or, I mean, uh, First Timothy. It's up to the ones that have intercession against that. Praying for them, praying for them, praying for them, praying for them. That's what it says, that we need to pray for our officials. Okay. So when God sees something, he sees entirely something different than man sees. Man saw... In the direction he saw the Medo-Persian, and man saw silver. He saw that. But God saw a bear. And then, that bear had three ribs. They conquered Babylon. These are three ribs that are talking about their three nations. They conquered Babylon, they conquered Lydia, and they conquered Egypt. Now, we come to the situation of Greece. That was the bronze, the belly of the thigh. The domain. So Greece had so much empire during the reign of Alexander, so powerful, all the way from Greece to India. Imagine the expansive movement going all the way from Greece to India. They had that territory. They had that land. Alexander the Great, at his death, was divided between four generals. Now, this is history. You can write this down. The four generals. These four generals were over Greece, one was over Turkey, the other Syria, and the other Egypt. But what did God say about it? Well, God said something entirely different. It wasn't this situation at all. He went another way. First in Greece, he said it's a leopard. It's a leopard with four wings. Those four wings are the four generals. He had four heads. And then he finally gets to Rome. Rome was a situation of iron. And what did God say? He called this beast a nondescript beast. We're talking about the old Roman Empire. We're talking about the ten horned nations. And those nations, we're talking about the common market. We're talking about the European common market right now. And then it goes on to say here in Daniel, it says there was a little horn. When that little horn was raised up, that is an image of the Antichrist which is alive. I believe he's alive today. He hasn't come to power, but he's alive today. And that little horn, the Antichrist, will be destroyed by the power of Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, notice that these four beasts came up out of the sea. 
Now, the other one in Daniel chapter 2 did not come from the sea. They came from the land. Two different things. Totally diverse. So in Scripture, you see sea as the teeming masses of mankind. Here in Isaiah 57, verse 20, but the wicked are like the troubled sea. How many people we know are like that right now? They're, they're troubled, the trouble, the the tremendous foment of the sea, the, the billowing waves, the, the, the crashing of the waves. They like to see. And it says in Revelation, he said to me, in Revelation 17, 15, he said, he said to me, the waters which you saw, the waters which you saw is where the harlots is. We'll get into that later. Which are people, multitude, nations, and tongues. Now, Daniel saw these four beasts. They rose up out of the sea, while Nebuchadnezzar saw the imposing power and the splendor of the times of the Gentiles. Amazing, amazing, amazing. In chapter 2, Daniel saw the character of the Gentile world. But it's devious, warlike, established, and maintained only by the force of arms. He saw that. Now, these four creatures are from the sea. Daniel chapter 7, verse 4, this was a lion that had eagle wings. And they watched the wings were plucked off and lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given unto it. Now the lion is the king of the animal world. The eagle is the king among the air. So the beast symbolizes the Babylonian empire. Now remember the signs. If you look through history, you find the sign of a lion with wings. That's the sign of Babylon. That's the sign of Babylon. So we see that and understand a little bit more. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Daniel 7.5, another piece, the second like a bear. It raised up on one side, had three ribs in the mouth between the teeth. He said, arise and devour much flesh. What did? Daniel saw the second beast as a bear. It raised itself up. Three ribs in the mouth. So the beast symbolized that be the Persian Empire. Talking about one would be stronger than another. Talking about the third beast was a leopard with four wings. The wings symbolized how fast it would be. The beast represented the Grecian Empire founded by Alexander the Great. But a terrible thing that the empire was divided after Alexander's death. And Alexander cried because there were no more places to conquer. He died in a drunken orgy. At the age of 33, Alexander the Great. Read your history. Understand what I'm saying. So the leopard moves quietly. The wings symbolize how fast he can be. The beast represents the Grecian Empire, founded by Alexander. And that his death, his four divisions, were there. Totally finished. Saw that. Saw that. Saw those things that were happening. God saw those things that tried to take place. Impossible. Those things came. I like the verse 20 here. That all the ten horns were on the head and the horns went up, the three fell, which had eyes and mouth and pompous words. Appearance was greater than his fellows. Because that's talking about the Antichrist. Talking about those things. Talking about the things that happen right now. Right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. 
We're talking about these things, talking about these things, causing these things to happen. Amazing. Totally amazing. You just take uh, all the way through. All the way through, we're talking about this thing. Talking about these, these areas, these truths. Watch this. Watch this. At the end time. At the end time. We're living at the end time. We see all these things coming together. We see the European common market. We see all these other things that are in relationship to. We're living in those days. We can't be like the ostrich and stick his head in the sand. Because if it do, the lion's going to come and have an ostrich burger. Yeah, that's going to happen. Be an ostrich burger. We can't stick our head in the sand. We've got to raise up and do what we should be doing at that time, at that period, at that place. What a place. What a time. Segments of integrity. Segments that God has placed in front of us here. Notice where we're living, how we're living. All these things about that. But I like what it says down here in Daniel 7. What we're dealing with in Daniel 7 having to do with the fact that talking about these end times that are taking place in, in such a manner, in such a way, that it even mentions what's going to happen. In the seventh chapter, it's so powerful, so wonderful, so great. Notice what it says. Notice what it says. And it says in the last thing. It said, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Cause these things to come and take place. And if you read that whole, you've got uh, what? You've got over about uh, 28, 28 verses in chapter 7, talking about these things that will, that will, that will, that will, that will. And notice what he saw. Now, now, this is something powerful here at verse 13. Verse 13. Look at verse 13. Daniel 7, verse 13. And I saw the night vision, and there was one like the Son of Man that came with clouds of heaven, came to the ancient of days, that's Father God, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him, get this, dominion and glory and kingdom, and all the people and nations, the languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. His kingdom be destroyed. <laughs> that's enough shot material right there to hold you for a year or more. Having to do with the fact that seeing right through the telescope of time where we are right now. And it's not going to end on a sour note. It's not going to end in defeat. It's going to end on victory because the victory is the Lord Jesus. Talking about he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Look, look again at 13. And I saw in the night vision, behold, one like the Son of Man, that Jesus, came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. That's Father God. Ancient of days is Father of God. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and kingdom. That all the people and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion, his everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. Oh, my, 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 my. Think about that. Think about that. So it ends on a high note, not a low note. Not for destruction. We are not designed for destruction. But we're designed for the information that God has put inside of us. My, 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 my. We are designed for kingship. We are designed for blessing. We are designed in a special way that God. We are designed for nobility. We are designed for the kingdom of Almighty God. And as we continue to follow in this book of Daniel, 
we will see that in the last days that we get stronger and not weaker. And we will notice that in the last part. Oh, and, and this is where it is right here, chapter 12. just want to say there's one part here to you because that's what's so important right now. In Daniel 12, that's so powerful. And verse 3 of verse, or chapter 12, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Hey, you want to shine or not? You want to shine? That's what you do right there. That's how you shine. To say it in the vernacular, shine, baby, shine. God wants us shining for him. My, 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 my. We've got to get that down deep in our heart. Again, Sister Deborah, you can take over here. I don't have any water with me right now. I, I could use one, but uh, she's not available at this point in time. And I was okay. starting to lose my voice there for a moment. And so I, I will finish with that, and we will locate these other things that we're talking about because it's, it's so powerful, so wonderful, how we kind of halfway got into it. <laughs> yes, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, isn't it? Yes, it's good it is. It's, it's wonderful. Stuff. Okay. It's wonderful. Yes, get so some water and... Yeah, yeah, so so you take it over. I will. And uh, I'll see you thank when I see you. All okay? right, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Frank. Okay, thank you. Okay. Good night. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Wonderful, wonderful night of teaching and the anointing and Jesus we just thank you for touching Brother Frank's throat and and uh, just moistening it for him Lord and we thank you for healing his throat he doesn't lose his voice in Jesus name amen what a wonderful wonderful night I just want to let you know um, before we close it out that God loves you and has a great plan for your life, if you didn't already know that. And God forbid, if you should die this very second, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? If you're not sure, just repeat after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Let you know that if you said that prayer, all of your sins are forgiven you. Always remember to run to God and not from God because he loves you so much and has a great plan for your life. And that is great news right there. And if you would like, to, if you prayed that prayer and you have any further prayer requests, you can call 866 857 4837. That is 8 866-857-4837 and you can go to revival.com and check out all the all the things there for example the church services that they have there at 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Sundays Eastern Standard Time and Wednesdays at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and if you have any prayer requests, you can go to Fire Talk Radio, the number two, at yahoo.com. And be sure and follow us on our home 
page on Fire Talk Radio on the Blog Talk Radio website. You can just go to Fire Talk Radio, the number two, and then you can put dot the initial T as in Tom and the initial K as in King. That's Fire Talk Radio, the number two dot TK. And so we and remember that every every Monday we are having uh continuing our series on healing is the children's bread. And every Tuesday is the Bible study with Dr. Frank Sumrall on the book of Daniel right now that he's teaching from. And on Saturdays, I am I am doing a, sh- a show, a teaching called Jesus, the Ultimate Healer. It's about between 30 and 30 to 45 minute teaching. Uh, so we'd love to have you join us for that. And until we meet again... Know that you are loved, you are valuable, and you are accepted in the beloved. Until we meet again, I love you.